0: It's real simple. You know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run.
5: Bear down, baby.
1: Yes, yeah, sir. Bears fans, this is Take the North with your hosts, David Haw and Dan Weeder. We're going to take the
5: North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take the North podcast. I'm David Haw from 6'7 to score the Mullion Haw show. Dan Reeder from the Chicago Tribune. Days away from the Bears and the Vikings Sunday on the lakefront. Both teams kind of desperate with one win. The Bears coming in with a little bit more momentum. But a good old-fashioned divisional rivalry. The Bears have lost five of the last six, Dan. It's been a big week to the Vikings, that is. And they need to get this one. This, to me is a big game because of what they did in Washington and how they need to build off that and start to stack wins, as they say.
0: Yeah, no question about it. Their last division win, David, was Thanksgiving Day, with Andy Dalton under center in the Patch.com week of 2021. So that tells you where uh, we've been and where we've gone since the Bears' last one in NFC North game. Obviously, I think they're eager to build on that win, Washington, as you said. I think there has been an energy within the building all week that there is something actually significant to build on. You know, you and I have covered more than our fair share of wins that you could take a little pin to and pop them and see that there was nothing inside. This didn't feel like that. It was a complete performance in all three phases, and I think they're eager to see if it translates against another opponent on Sunday.
5: Before we get into some of the details about the game, we need to talk about where we have been and where we have gone um, as a podcast. Thank you to our listeners uh, on the Take the North podcast, on the Odyssey app, or wherever you're listening to us or watching us on the Six Seventy Scores YouTube page. We got some good news this week. Is despite the Bears going winless in September. We uh, saw a 13% month monthly increase, and the pod had over 90,000 total downloads in the month of September. That's because of the Bears fans' interest. That's because uh, when the Bears are good, they're a good story. When they're bad, they might be better. And there was a lot of dysfunction, a lot of reaction, and a lot of loyalty from Bears fans. So thank you to the audience for tuning in to the Take the North podcast. A lot of time goes into this but we know that you care about it and we appreciate that.
0: David, we've always talked about our audience as being the smartest, most level-headed group that you can find uh, in football podcast audiences. I appreciate them doing that as much as they do. The loyal audience as well, that three-word review after every game seems to generate totally a whole lot of buzz and it's That's tremendous, totally the dedication that people put into coming up with those good responses. I was at a Oktoberfest a couple weeks ago and had three different people stop me to say that they're listening to the podcast. That's always a nice feeling to know uh, that people you know, and then others that that you're just getting to meet are uh, are listening and appreciating some of the stuff we're doing.
5: You can give us feedback. Uh, at, you can review it. You can subscribe. You can do all the things on the podcast, or you could go to the Twitter page at Take The North Pod and give us some feedback as well. Interact. We like it. We enjoy it. We're used to it. So anyway, thank you to the audience for being loyal listeners and for digging in on this bear season. All right, it's time to get to our opening drive. It's
3: time for the opening. The, the, the opening drive.
5: So Dan, I think the big story to me about the Bears as they come out of this mini buy is the surprise that I have, and you can you can chime in too, is that in the evolution of an offense that we we, we saw stagnate early, we wondered what it would become, and then here we are, five games in with a mini buy, and all of a sudden. Only the Dolphins and the Lions have more explosive plays than the Chicago Bears. How did that happen, and how can they sustain that? Yeah, so there's
0: many reasons it's happened. One of the big ones is that they got two defenses that leave themselves vulnerable to big explosive plays. The second thing is, is they, they they found themselves a little bit these last two weeks. They found who they are offensively. They found answers within what they were doing and the things they're calling both in the run and the passing game. And their playmakers are making plays. When you provide a quarterback a, a, a clean and quiet pocket to work from, suddenly the throws are a little bit crisper. When you find a, a, a receiver like DJ Moore who can turn a short catch into a big touchdown gain, suddenly those explosive gains go up. What we're looking for now, David, is for this to become consistent I told you on the Molly and Haw show earlier in the week that uh, particularly as it relates to quarterback performance, you can kind of view every week of a football regular season as a, a hole on a golf scorecard. You know, I, I, there's 18 of them now, now that we have 18 weeks, including uh, the, the bye week. And, and so the, the whole key is taking these flashes of brilliance like they've had the last two weeks and showing that they can be consistent the production can continue. Um, And I think that's going to be a notable conversation to have coming out of this game Sunday against the Vikings and going forward. Um, And I had a a lengthy chance to sit down with Luke Getzey this afternoon to, uh, to talk a little bit more about that, but there's a lot to get at because this offense does look a lot better.
5: So I wonder about Luke Getzey's mindset going into this mini buy. And I think that he has, Dealt with criticism, he's dealt with praise. He's dealt with uh over-the-top criticism, and he's <laughs> and he's de- dealt with hyperbolic praise. And I wonder where he is now, now that Justin Fields in the last two games has taken strides as a passer. The game seems to be slowing down. The faith throws, as DJ Moore referred to them, are being made. And in fairness, Dan, I mean, Justin Fields has. I think it's. I think it's a little unfair that that. As he begins to improve and progress, now we're kind of – and I'm guilty of this too. We're moving the goalposts. Now we're not comparing him to maybe the growth on his his, on his growth chart. We're comparing him to what Caleb Williams could be. I'm not sure that's always fair, but I do think he's taken strides and he's improved, and I wonder what Luke Getzi thinks about how far Justin Fields has come this year from his perspective.
0: Well, if you've listened – to me, talk about Luke Getze in the two years that, that I've had to get to know him. The thing I love about Luke and the thing I appreciate about him most is that he can just stay so centered and so grounded, you know, and I think it's a plus for both the way he views the offensive growth and the the, the energy he he exudes to the room, to that offensive room and in, in, in um, them just understanding that, yes, we've made progress. We've got a long way to go. I, I'm writing a, a longer piece that's up at ChicagoTribune.com on Friday morning about Luke taking the temperature of what? These two games on the heels of a, a bumpy September truly signify for this team. And one of the things I said is that, you know, Luke has a, a, an aversion to unnecessary worry and he's severely allergic to that, that sort of delirious excitement that tends to bubble up when you have surges like the Bears have had these last two games. And so now what, is it, what does it translate into? I think what Luke sees in these last two games is a group that has um, learned to play together a group that is understanding what its strengths are and is playing towards them, a group that now understands on a week-to-week basis that you've got to take apart a different opponent each week and try to find the things that you do well that match up against things that they might not do so well, and maximize those. They did so very well against the Broncos and commanders. And now it's just about building on that. And I think Luke's kind of grounded perspective in that regard is, is very beneficial to a room um, that is subject to being shaken up to all the things that you talked about hyperbole and over the top criticism and all the other things that come with this league. If you can stay steady and process driven and in the moment you give yourself a much better chance of hitting the bullseye that you're actually striving to hit.
5: Sometimes I think we all overthink this a little bit and we certainly overanalyze it. I I wonder if all of this is as simple as if you plug in a number one wide receiver into the equation, a DJ Moore in this case, who makes maybe a throw that might be six inches off or Mm -hmm. a little bit inaccurate that somebody in Justin Fields first season, uh, who's the guy that fumbled against the Vikings, you know, um, you you know, The Amir Smith-Marset. Yes, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) The guys who are in, in this elite category, and I think DJ Moore is approaching this status in the National Football League because you look at the rankings of receivers, and he's probably a top 10 guy. I wonder if it's as simple sometimes as just putting a guy like that in a position to make a play and giving him the chance to do so And then all of a sudden, when he does that, and he's the NFC Offensive Player of the Week, and he's got all the numbers, and it's the first time since 1999, and sure, all the distinction. But I wonder, is it as simple as, boy, put a playmaker into the equation, then everything seems to be solved? Um, It is as simple as that, but there is more to it.
0: Also, I think that momentum and belief in this league are fast-rolling snowballs. Know and if you can get them started, they can get you going in the direction you want to go really quickly. And I think we saw that in the first half in Washington. You know, the Bears win the coin flip, David, in that game, and they decide to take the ball. And two plays after deciding to take the ball after winning the coin flip, they're facing third and long, and you're going, Oh my God. Right. And then comes third and nine. And you have a play that you like, and you have a receiver that you want to get the ball to, and you hit it on a double move for 58 yards. And all of a sudden everything changes in terms of mood and energy and belief and momentum. And you go down and you score and you hit on Three third down throws in the first half to DJ Moore, two of them for touchdowns. And you say, okay, in big moments, let your best players make the big plays. DJ Moore kept doing it, time after time after time after time. Now, the 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 add on to that conversation is that as other teams realize that DJ Moore deserves more attention defensively and you're going to use more resources to take them away, the Bears then have to to make the corresponding move to open other things up, whether that's Cole Komet or Darnell Mooney or Justin as a runner or whatever running back is healthy enough to get the ground game moving. The hope is that you have a, a, a multitude of answers to address whatever you're saying.
5: You're exactly right, and I think I may have said some version of that on Thursday morning on the Mullion Haw show. Sometimes I like when – we have the opportunity to do this podcast because I end up refuting myself, <laughs> you know, because it's like hours later I start to think about what I said and I wonder if I really put it in the way that I wanted to say it. You're exactly right, and I think that everyone can defend that idea. But then I start to think, well, I look at I look at Devonte Adams and I look at Justin Jefferson and yep. I look at I look at AJ Brown and I look at the guys Jigs. who. Yeah, Stefan Diggs. And I look at guys like DJ Moore, the category that he's placing himself in. And I think, well, that's true for them every week. And it has been for years. And yet they continue to produce at a very high level. So it's part of the conversation. But I don't think it's it's necessarily imperative that they find a way to use Darnell Mooney or Cole Komet. I think you still keep pounding DJ Moore. Oh, no.
0: A hundred percent. No, a hundred percent. You don't, you don't go away from that, but now what you want to do is, is, is take away the option of an opposing defense to use as much resources as they, as they hopefully want to, Right. you know, to take away that guy. And now you've got, you've got answers in other places. And if you can, can loosen that defense up over here, well, now DJ's got another opportunity there. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll leave it there, and then we can get into, uh, in a minute, a, a couple specific plays from that game uh, in the first half in Washington that Luke was uh, kind enough to, to dive deeper on with me, and, and I'll give you some insight into to kind of what, what he thinks they signified.
5: Well, let's do that because we'll, we'll do that, and then we'll go into some things we expect from Brian Flores and the Viking defense. But first, let's go back to last Thursday night. Luke Getze was was uh, nice enough, and I think he, you're right. He He is never shy about exploring – the intricacies of any given play, whether it works or not, really
0: right and, and and it's it's good because it, it, it's educational um, and again it's level-headed you know I, th- I, I I feel like like Luke always has sober eyes on everything that that the rest of the world may be seeing with you know s- pinwheels spinning in their in their retinas you know um and so the, that first half in Washington look like that's that's uh, 30 minutes of football where the Bears put up 307 yards and 27 points I mean that used to be a full game's worth of output and they got it in five possessions before halftime in Washington we know they went down on the first drive scored. We talked about that. The second drive we talked about earlier in the week as being one of my favorite possessions uh, of the season because of how many things that were simple um, but executed well went right. The Bears, I believe they were without a penalty in the first half offensively, and they had one negative play that went for negative yardage. And so you get going. So one of the first plays I asked Luke about was the second touchdown pass to DJ Moore. And you talk about faith balls, right? And trust throws and things that that, that the Justin-DJ connection uh, make reality it's that it's that play you know dj moore runs uh, uh, feigns a hitch route against kendall fuller and then breaks it outside to the to the back left corner of the end zone justin throws him a perfect ball while on Payne is coming right up the middle to put a licking on him and he puts the ball up there where either dj can catch it or no one can catch it and guess what your best player on offense catches the football, gets both feet down in bounds, and it's a touchdown. And 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 Luke, you know the the guy who is constantly trying to to settle everyone down, like don't get too excited about that. He was excited about that because he says that's a testament to the chemistry that was instant when those guys met in the spring and has only developed through OTAs and minicamp and training camp in the early parts of the season. Where now, as DJ Moore said in the locker room on on Wednesday afternoon, when you hit on one of those, you're uh, confidence in doing it again the next time is heightened, and so now Justin is, is more likely to see a tight window and say, "I'm just going to put it up there because th- this dude is making me look like a star," you know. And then DJ is saying, "I'm going to make Justin look like a star, and he's going to make me a, a 200-yard receiver because he can make these throws uh, under under pressure and into traffic that that make everything work."
5: That's a great explanation of the example that. We were talking about in conceptual terms last year when everybody was clamoring for get Justin Fields the weapons around him and you'll see changes and you'll see improvement because of what you just described. And now the, I mean, okay, I also say that knowing that the, the season may be over before they really get going here. It is the NFL, you never know, but they're one in four. Mm-hmm. I just think it's a shame they had to wait five games. Yeah, agreed. Before you start to, started to see that really manifest itself.
0: Right, because the the, the whole um, direction and tone of everything could have been markedly different if it clicked two weeks earlier, right? right. And, and, and then things could have been figured out. And that's that's the tragedy of it all. So, so the second play that we dove into comes on the very next series, and the Bears go right down the field again to get a field goal out of it. And their longest drive or their longest play on that particular drive was a 23-yard Justin Fields to Cole Komet completion. Well, you go back and look at it, David, and this is about as, as simple of a schoolyard concept as you're going to see you have a seven man protection giving Justin Fields a, a, an absolutely quiet pocket DJ Moore runs a deep route and keeps the the the, the defense honest deep and Cole Komet just stops his route 20 yards downfield and justin rips an easy pass down the left hash for 23 yards and when we talk about all of the the moments in our time covering this team and this offense and all the things over the last decade where they made offense look so difficult when you can take something so simple and get 23 yards out of it to to propel a scoring drive, it's like, okay, this is what happens when the offensive line holds up with help in protection. This is what happens when your best receiver keeps an opposing defense honest, and then you've got a, a, a playmaking tight end that can get to where he's supposed to be and catch a throw that's there. It's it's a small little play, but it means so much to, to the growth and, and evolution of this offense.
5: Great example. Great explanation. I'm glad Luke Gessie opened up like that to you. Looking forward to that story in ChicagoTribune.com. Let's spin ahead to Sunday against the Vikings. Brian Flores, the defensive coordinator, I described in the offseason as one of the most important, if not the most important acquisition in front, to the NFC North, any team uh, player or coach. He blitzes 54% of the time. Doesn't care if it's Patrick Mahomes or Justin Fields, the Vikings are going to come after you. I wonder, after DJ Moore coming off a 230-yard game, Justin Fields, with the ability to run better than any quarterback in the National Football League, how will that dictate or affect Brian Flores and the Vikings defense aggressiveness?
0: Yeah, no, I mean, look like Todd Bowles is as aggressive as anybody in this That's league. And in, and in week two, he came after the bears and they did so with a, a disciplined and a strategic plan that made life very difficult on that bears offense. And we know what the results of that game were and and, and where it went sideways on the Bears. They're going to have to deal with that pressure and they're going to have to have answers for that pressure as, as it relates to the Vikings defense. I, I think like you're aware, and particularly a guy as experienced and, and sharp as Brian Flores is, isn't going to uh, take for granted the fact that Justin can kill you as a scrambler and as a runner. And so if you're going to send pressure and you're going to send it from different directions, you have to account for this explosive runner that this quarterback is. And, and also, by the way, an explosive runner who's now um, getting a little bit more skilled at keeping his eyes down the field and and scrambling and, and trying to look to pass first, um, but so maybe maybe you have to deploy a spy, maybe you have to use uh, more coverages where where you you have eyes on Justin Fields so he doesn't get out of the gates for one of those fifty plus yard touchdown runs that were so commonplace in the middle of last year. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see how this chess match unfolds. You know the Vikings have done a really good job this year of putting pressure on opposing quarterbacks. They haven't done a terrific job at slowing down the. Production of opposing passing attacks. So it's gonna be really interesting to see kinda of how that how that game goes, a little bit of cat and mouse and, and who's able to respond to it quicker.
2: Let TEND Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, TEND is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's com slash sale. And book your free consult today.
4: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobilecom Forty-five
2: dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at MintMobile.com.
5: Before we get into the numbers game and our predictions, let's talk about some of the uh, availability and injury uh, situations this yeah. week on both sides of the ball for the Bears. Let's start with the offense. Stay there. Because Justin Fields, DJ Moore. Yeah, those are the headlines. Cole Komet had a hamstring injury. I don't think that will affect him too much. Tevin Jenkins looks like he's ready to take on a bigger role at left guard. What does the offensive backfield look like? Roshan Johnson's status and obviously Khalil Herbert's out. So Deontay Foreman will be getting... An extended role what do you expect from this offense given the injury situation
0: yeah for those in need of a streaming running back in fantasy Deontay Foreman might be a guy to look at this week because as you mentioned Khalil Herbert's going to be out for a little while Roshan Johnson is still in concussion protocol I wouldn't expect him to practice on Friday which then basically uh, puts him uh, on the shelf for uh, Sunday's game against the Vikings. And so now you have the luxury of having a proven veteran who has stepped into moments previously in his career and has a track record of responding. Uh, Deontay Foreman obviously did so a year ago in Carolina, did so previously in Tennessee when Derrick Henry got hurt. And you've got a guy now who has such uh, unwavering confidence and belief in himself to go take on a heightened role Immediately, even after the disappointment of of being inactive the last few weeks and having to deal with such a minimal role through the first five games of the season, this was one position that you and I talked about in August as being one that had that quality depth that really good teams have. Well, now you get to lean on that quality depth a little bit, and I think that's one area where where you you know you don't lose a lot of sleep if you're Ryan Poles, Matt Eberflus, Luke Getze, because you understand that like we built this room up to withstand something like this, and now's our chance to prove it.
5: Do you agree with me that Tevin Jenkins at left guard, Cody Whitehair moving to center, and obviously the right side of the line coming together, playing, the more reps they get, the more, I think, effective they're going to be with Darnell Wright and Nate Davis, still obviously waiting for Braxton Jones to come back at mm-hmm. left tackle for, instead of Larry Borm. But Tevin Jenkins in 37 snaps, yeah, his conditioning still may be an issue, but I wonder if that's overblown, Dan. This is a different offensive line when he's lined up at left guard.
0: Well, look like the conversation with Tevin Jenkins has always been, how long is he going to be lined up at left guard? You right. know, and that's, that's where we're at. And I, you know, I, I get a sense in the building this week that they may still be on a rotation this week with Tevin Jenkins, which would, okay. which would leave you with Jatari Carter. Uh, who's obviously gotten a lot of experience already this year uh, as someone that could split some time up there. Um look like like we know who Tevin is when he's a fully healthy <laughs> engaged football player up front he's just out of the lineup so often that you just kind of sit there uh sitting on pins and needles waiting for the next injury to pop up and so so that that's where the worry is with Tevin Jenkins. is I do think you're right in saying that like they're getting more whole up front like they, they they just seem to to have a little bit more stability and if you can keep that going forward all of a sudden you see kind of the the fruits that that bears and 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 hopefully uh hopefully Brad Jackson Jones won't be too long, and, and hopefully Tevin can stay healthy. And, and all of a sudden, you've got <laughs> that stability that that for, you know, 22 games of the Maddie Refluss era has not been there.
5: Let's go back to the defense in the secondary getting healthier. Jalen Johnson with the hamstring coming back on the practice field. Kyler Gordon certainly been out on injured reserve since breaking the uh, hand, had the hand injury in the opener. He's going to be back. Also, it looks like Eddie Jackson hmm, could be yeah. back. I think that looks good. So you're talking about your starting secondary. Matt Everflus spoke highly of Terrell Smith and still getting opportunities. You've got Tyreek Stevenson. Hey, lest anybody forget, Greg Stroman had two sacks and a pick on Thursday night football against the Commanders. This is a secondary that looks like it's getting healthier. And when healthy is possibly the strength, the strongest unit on this team.
0: I, I think it is when it's fully healthy. Um, you, I think you've phrased that really well. I think uh, my expectation is that Jalen Johnson and Kyler Gordon will play on Sunday and you said eh, with Eddie Jackson. And so I'm still kind of waiting to to feel that one out and and trust that one with my own eyes. When I, when I see it, um, as soon as that group is, is fully intact as a quintet, you know, the Stevenson Johnson Gordon, and then on the back end with brisker and Jackson, you've got a group that not only, um, has that cohesion, but they, they have that, that juice that we talked about through the summer that is contagious. And 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 when you're able to create opportunities for your offense and then your offense goes and scores and, and then you know how that whole thing works right like and so the quicker they can get back to closer to full strength I think it was 27 snaps in the opener that they played with those five on the field at the same time and that's it that's all that's all we've seen so far and so uh, it went it went wayward <laughs> after Kyler Gordon was lost in that game and it didn't stop being uh, wayward until last last Thursday
5: I've wondered this aloud a couple times on the Mullen Haw show this week Dan and, and I think it, it continues to kind of make me wonder Wonder, getting these guys back, getting a secondary that is whole, I wonder what effect that has on Matt Eberflus's approach. He's calling defensive signals. He's going to probably do that the rest of the season. And against the commanders, he blitzed 28% of the time, basically one out of every four snaps, which for a cover two conventional scheme is quite a lot for a defense that wants to get pressure from his front four. Does the return of guys you trust more make you more aggressive? Or less aggressive because you trust them in zone coverage?
0: A lot of moving parts because you're able to send more pressure at a young quarterback like Sam Howell than you are at a guy like Kirk Cousins who sees it well, who diagnoses it well, who detects it well, and knows where his answers are. And so you have to pick and choose your moments a lot more against a guy like Cousins than you do against a Sam Howell. But look, like you can't um, go back to being overly conservative. You can't take for granted the idea that that you're going to have to manufacture pressure for a while here until until you get a front that shows it can consistently both dent the pocket and get around the edge in ways that make life for opposing quarterbacks uh you know uh, (laughs) disruptive and 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 unhealthy (laughs) you know so to speak so um we'll see what direction that goes but i i I like that this this is going to be a fun test of that because you also now have the luxury going into Sunday of not having to do all the things that you might have to otherwise do if Justin Jefferson was on the field, you know what I mean? And so like there is now a, a, a certain game within the game that you can play that you would not have been able to play if you were having to devote so much extra attention to the best receiver, or at least one of the top two uh, in the game right now,
5: Justin Jefferson, on injured reserve Dalvin cook in, is in uh uh, New York, uh, he's not walking through that door. Kirk Cousins still there indefinitely until he, you know, waves his no trade clause. Who is the who is the guy on the Vikings offense that maybe you fear? that might on Sunday afternoon become a nuisance to bears fans.
0: I just wrote it. TJ Hawkinson, you know, that's the guy he's got 30 catches. He's been targeted 39 times this year. Uh, came, I think he's got 90 catches David since he came over to the Vikings in that trade last November. Um, so that was obviously an investment that the Vikings made, you know, traded some draft picks away and got the, got the, the lions, uh, to, to give him, away on a, on a bargain and he's been productive. The Vikings signed him to a four year, I think it was 68 and dollar extension right before the regular season began. And, and the return on investments have been positive right now. And that's a guy that I think the bears are going to have to pay a lot of attention to uh, and, and try to, to, to minimize his damage. You know, Jordan Addison, the rookie out of Southern Cal has been really impressive through the first five games. But a lot of that is because he's benefited from the attention that people have been paying to Justin Jefferson. And so now he will take on a new test of, of what, what do you do when, when all the, the, the coverage isn't tilted one direction. Can you respond? And so uh, those are certainly two guys to keep an eye on, but I, I would I would circle Hawkinson on my flip card and say, keep an eye
5: on this dude. All right let's get into the numbers game with our predictions All right, before we get to our predictions each week, you have a package in the Chicago Tribune and chicagotribune.com looking forward to that if it's not already. Online will be there Friday morning. So, Dan, let's start with the big numbers from, uh, from your package.
0: Yeah, I got four of them for you uh, today, David. And the first one is 158.3. That's the Justin Fields passer rating when throwing the football to DJ Moore, 27 for 34, 531 yards and five touchdowns, no interceptions. 158.3. I think his rating throwing to every other player on the Bears roster is 70.3. So to the very point that you were making at the outset of the podcast, this is the type of difference that a legitimate, established number one receiver means to an offense and to a young, developing quarterback. that's an incredible number to wrap your brain around this far into a season.
5: I'll admit that when they made the trade, I thought they were getting a legitimate, obviously, guy who would be referred to as a number one receiver and certainly the best the Bears have to offer. And maybe, you know, I, I wanted to compare and contrast him and Allen Robinson and then going back to Alshon Jeffrey and all the things. But now, after seeing what he's capable of doing almost after the catch and his his balance, and they, I guess they call it the term is the contact balance, is so impressive that I think that's such an underrated skill. He's got real sure hands, and he does run good routes. I don't know if he's a Devontae Adams route runner, but he certainly is a guy that once he gets the ball in his hands, the cliche is actually that for a reason. He is a running back in a wide receiver body. And that, to me, has been as impressive as anything from DJ Moore.
0: Yeah, I mean, he creates separation, and then, to your point, after the catch, guys seem to to underappreciate his speed and his ability to break away, and there are times they take an angle on him, and it's like, oh, no, that's not the right angle, and there he goes, and that right. happened a few times in Washington, obviously happened in the preseason as well. Um, my second number is 922, and that's the total yardage that the Bears' offense has put up in October in these two games against the Broncos and Commanders. It's the most since they put up 950 in weeks four and six of the 2018 season. You remember those games against the Buccaneers and the Miami Dolphins and their 68 points. The last two weeks are the most in two games back to back since they put up 74 late in the COVID year. When they got in that little hot streak, when Mitch Trubisky refound himself and uh, engineered wins against the uh, Vikings and the Jaguars, if you recall that.
5: So are you a believer? Are you as the offense we talk about it being broken. We talk about it being stagnant. We talk about all the things that are in negative terms. Are you now looking at the glass of Gatorade and it's half full instead of half empty?
0: I, well, I'm looking at it. I, the arrow is up, right? Like the arrow is up. And now how steep is it going to go up? And I think these next few weeks are going to be a good test of that against some different opponents and a chance to, to show that you can sustain it you know, and show that you can be consistent. And those are the, the big benchmarks for an offense like this.
5: What's the next number that you have?
0: All right, this one gets into the more depressing territory, and it's 1-9, and and it's Justin Fields' record in NFC North games during his career as a Chicago Bear. He won his very first division game against the Lions in Week 4 of 2021, the last nine games against NFC North opponents. The Bears are winless with Justin as their starter. Average score 31-18 to in those nine losses. That hurts
5: that does hurt that's telling and that's not all his fault but it will be attributed to him i i couldn't believe when i was doing something for uh football night in chicago on wednesday night that we had a special stat and the vikings have beaten the bears five of the last six times They're yeah. one in five and the, and so the soldier field record is not good so when they come into soldier field i, I i'm old enough to remember a time where that scared vikings fans and players and it was it was a house of horrors for them now they're like hey you know where's the mint on my pillow i love being here
0: (laughs) i mean i remember covering the vikings during times where they would they they, after the game they'd be like i don't know what it is about this place but it it, it freaks us out here there was a night game my my first year i think where devin hester took one back and they were just like i we couldn't we couldn't respond to that um the last number here is one you referenced earlier it's it's uh recited in different forms, depending on where your research comes from. Mine's from Pro Football Reference. They've got the blitz rate of the Vikings at 56.2%, a league high in the NFL right now. They've had 113 instances where they've sent extra pressure at a quarterback, uh, 43 pressures, 13 sacks. Uh, So that is something, obviously, that as we talked about previously, the Bears offense is going to have to take into account.
5: I only have one. That's a good one, Dan. I only have one, and I think I, I'm using it for effect because I want to prove that I am not anti-kicker. I am pro-kicker, especially where the kicker is as good as Cairo Santos has been. 16. 16 is the number of points he provided in that 40-20 to 20 victory over the commanders, and it helped me realize that Cairo Santos is one of the most consistent things on this football team. He's 8-8 eight eight in field goals attempted and made, He's 11 for 11 on extra points. And last year, whatever he was going through seems to have been just a bugaboo that was restricted to last year because this year he's back to being the guy that really he has been throughout most of his Bears' tenure. I think Cairo Santos is almost the easiest guy. Why are you laughing at me? Well, because because the, the reason
0: I'm laughing is because like, you're, you're setting – this is like the, the typical TV broadcast where you're setting it up for the last second kick to sail a wide left, and then Studs pulls up this clip on Sunday night and, and puts up this whole long soliloquy from David Haw about how reliable Cairo Santos is, and it's the big,
5: the big jinx that he didn't need. Cairo Santos <laughs> is not going to lose the game to the Vikings, period. Put it on the board. Wait till yes. you hear my prediction. Oh, I can't. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> anyway, Cairo Santos deserves his due. And we have one number to add to this package from Adam Sadzinski before we get to his very unpredictable <laughs> prediction. I can't wait for that. Let's hear from him from the numbers game first. Hey, hey studs.
1: Hey guys. So all right. You guys mentioned earlier that DJ Moore won NFC Offensive Player of the Week. It's the first time since 1999 a Bears receiver has won that award. Marcus Robinson won that award the one week in 1999, right? It's also the second time a Bears receiver has ever won Offensive Player of the Week. So I did some research. Offensive Player of the Week, NFC Offensive Player of the Week, has been given out every year, every week since 1984, that's Before that, it was AP NFL Player of the Weeks. So we won't count on anything before that, just for the just for the sake of this exercise. So that's 16 weeks a season up until 1990 when they moved to 17 weeks in a season. And then up until 2021 when they moved to 18 weeks in a season when they added the extra game. Now you add in the three weeks prior to the past week that they handed out the award. That is 647 times. This award has been given out two times. Twice a Bears receiver has won that award. That might be the most Bears stat I have ever heard, including Johnny Morris's all-time Bears receiving record.
5: Two out of 647? Is that it? Two times out of 647. We're talking about (laughs) 0.003. Not even 1%. Three-tenths of 1% we're talking about. That's crazy.
0: I'm a big uh, pie chart guy. I'd like to see a full pie chart breakdown by the next time we talk of like which teams have had the most, uh, which quarterbacks received. like like give me give me the full pie charts and let, let's uh, let's let's eat each of those slices. <laughs> but that, that's crazy. By the way, Marcus Robinson Studs was a uh, member of the very first fantasy team I ever owned in 1999. So I'm assuming I'm that waiting. I was a pretty happy camper the, the week that he got uh, offensive player of the
5: week. And I I, I, I can't words. believe that. Brandon Marshall didn't have more to say about those weeks that he didn't win the award. I'm how upset each week he was that he thought that he was going to get awarded and he didn't <laughs> remember that three I, touchdown well,
0: there performance was, in San Francisco. That's, that's the one that jumped out to me. Yeah. Uh, 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 yeah and prime time.
1: There's also the week that Alshon Jeffrey put up 249 on 12 catches and two touchdowns. I looked up that one. Russell that was Wilson a loss right? that week. Yeah. In a loss. Russell Wilson had 300 some yards and three touchdowns and beat a good 49ers team that week. And so he Harder got the, in the loss. Yeah. 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 So yeah. there you go. 647 was my number.
5: That's, that's a great number. studs. It. Okay. While you're here, how about giving us your prediction? Who are you picking studs? <laughs> Who are you picking this week?
1: All right. So I actually feel justified in picking the bears this week after being the only one to 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 correctly predict their win <laughs> last week even though there I, it is. even though I, even though i even though i didn't feel good about it despite like making the pick so it it legitimately i do think this is actually a game where the bears have a lot of good matchups especially with the vikings being without justin jefferson i think if justin jefferson was playing then it would have been a little different, but you take him out of the equation and you add in that the bears are getting their secondary looking like they're going to be largely healthy in this one. And and I think that that's a good matchup for the bears. So I'm going to take them. I it's going to be close because the Vikings have played all close games this season and it's a division game. And you know, you just, if you're picking the bears to win by more than one score, then they're just not there yet. So I got the bears 24 to 20 winning, and winning two games in a row for the first time in uh what four three years when's the I, I i yeah it's been a while that, since they won two games in a row
5: that's a good <laughs> i think the
1: so last time last time would have been i think was it 20 20 when they won like three or four games in a row and got themselves back into the playoff picture I think that's the last time they won like multiple games in a row they had to have something in 2021 I looked at oh no there. yeah in 2021 they started like five
0: and one that's right sorry there's all, there are all sorts of stuff within those years that are, are, are wacky but I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback on this this is crazy uh, I've got the Bears 27 and the Vikings 24 and I've got Cairo Santos making a field goal David to seal it so, look at so that. I'm taking you off the hook and the Bears are, are learning how to win. Sorry to say it. Uh, they're, they're getting a feel for how to finish games uh, in successful fashion. Again, Studs mentioned it. Like the Vikings without Justin Jefferson are a totally different animal. And I think the, as long as the Bears don't um, exhale too deeply with Jefferson's absence, as long as they don't take the Vikings for granted because of that, everything sets up matchup wise for you to continue what you've been doing and to get out of uh, a home with a, a Sunday with a home take care of business victory.
5: I think that this is kind of related, combining the two things, numbers and predictions. When you look at the Vikings in 2022, they won 13 games because they won an NFL record 11 that were one possession, one score games. That was last year. This year, they've had five straight one score games, but or games decided by one score. They've lost four of them. They're one in four in those. You know why? They give you the football. The hits principle, the T is for takeaway. It's time that the Bears started doing that. They began the process against the commanders. Thank you, Greg Stroman. Yes, but now they got to get other guys involved. The Vikings have turned the ball over 12 times in five games. Eight fumbles lost. They've lost eight fumbles. It's not so much Kirk Cousins, but you can rattle this team. You can rip the ball from their grip. You can do all the things that Tremaine Edmonds was brought here to do, that TJ Edwards was brought here to do, that Matt Eberflus was brought here to promote, that Lovey Smith teams frankly did. So it's time to act- stop with the acronyms and start with the activity. Get the football away from the Vikings because they will be willing participants in the hits principle because of that. 31-28 Bears over Vikings Cairo Santos with the game winner. My guy, number, what number is <laughs> number, number, number eight. Number eight. Number eight. Wasn't he one? Wasn't he number two at one point? He was two, and
1: then DJ Moore got <laughs> DJ it. DJ Moore got it.
5: I know. I said DJ Moore's number two, and Kyro Santos in my head is number two. Now he's number eight. He'll always be number, number eight. It's always going to be Rex Grossman to me. But Kyro Santos, whatever <laughs> number he's wearing, is going to be triumphant su- Sunday. Number one school. in your heart. That's number that's one two, in my heart.
0: That's three. That's three picks for the Bears. My God, the three word reviews ought to be like cheerful this week.
5: Unless we're wrong, and then they're going to rip us, (laughs) which they should.
2: The connection between you and your therapist matters. That's why Alma focuses on helping you find the right someone to talk to, not just anyone. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search by what you want to focus on, like Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash not just anyone to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash not just anyone.
3: iXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. iXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way with positive feedback. Backed by research, kids using iXL are scoring higher on tests. Powered by advanced algorithms, iXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. Rather than looking at multiple programs to help your child in different subjects, one subscription gets you everything with iXL Learning, and all the kids in your home work off one
5: <laughs> All right, let's wrap things up with our two-minute drill.
3: The two-minute drill.
5: The two-minute drill. So, Dan, I think that obviously there's been a lot of uh, a, a lot of talk this week about uh, what the Vikings might be doing, and without Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins not being willing to waive his no-trade clause, and him saying he's focused on the Bears. It's not a bear story. It could affect the bears because they could be one of the teams at the top of the draft. What have you made knowing the Vikings as well as you do about what's going on in Minneapolis this week?
0: Well, look, I mean, you're just, you're unsettled, you know, and that's never a feeling you want to have in a building when you're trying to to get yourself up off the mat, which they've been down for a little bit here this season after a pretty charmed life in 2022 Uh, cousins is a guy that, that, you know, is easy to appreciate just the production, he said. He said seven 4,000-yard seasons. The Bears has an entire organization of zero. So you know how productive he's been and, and how much he can do for you. Um,
5: do you know who the, the Vikings QB2 is this week? Oh, uh, it, it's not uh, the um... – Mississippi State kid is it? It's Nick Mullins. Nick
0: Mullins is on injured reserve with a back injury. Yes, it can't be him. So we're down to Jaron Hall, and so you think about the the potential of that if the Vikings have to go down that route uh, this Sunday as well. That's no small little uh, footnote on the on the docket here. Um, But but either way, look like they, they, they you said it earlier. They feel like a desperate team. You know, and and trying to find some footing here and, and the Bears hopefully can uh, can push them <laughs> right to the edge, right down to a, a open manhole cover.
5: Sunday also promises to be an emotional day at Soldier Field. I'm not quite sure what kind of tribute will be paid or put together for Dick Butkus, but my sense is that they will uh, honor uh, his his life. And he just passed away, as we know. Last Thursday, want to mention this. Team Butkus, Matt Butkus, his son. There's going to be a tailgate celebration for Dick Butkus, 8:30 to 11:30 at the Billy Goat Tavern, at the uh, at Navy Pier. The Billy Goat at Navy Pier, that one. Special tribute at the game um, and after at Soldier Field. So keep your eyes open. Team Butkus is sponsoring this, and obviously, just gives people. Bears fans of of every age a chance to pay tribute to number 51 and the loss of Dick Butkus. I'm sure, as you saw at Halas Hall this week, um, they uh, were tributes in terms of flying the flag, half staff, and all of the things that typically come with commemorating the loss of a loved one
0: look you're hopeful that they're hard at work with a, a really stirring video montage as well because i think like i'm actually getting goosebumps right now just thinking of watching some of the dick butkus highlights and just how much it gets you ready for a football sunday you know what i mean and yeah. the nfl films uh versions of that uh, there's an opportunity to to really get that home crowd revved up uh, in honor of one of the greatest to ever wear this uniform and be part of this this franchise, so it could be a, a pretty emotional moment on Sunday morning.
5: Dick Butkus was football in Chicago for many years, and he his legacy is uh, is wrapped up in that idea. So, yeah, I do think Sunday will be an emotional day, and I wonder what kind of juice the Bears, as players as an, as an organization, will will take to the field because of that reminder. That certainly will be that part of the pregame presentation so keep an eye open for that a lot of 51 jerseys i'm sure at soldier field on sunday what else did we miss anything else going on at Hallis? you've had a busy week
0: no one little fun nugget from uh thursday evening we always get to talk to uh, assistant coaches on one side of the ball on thursday evening i talked to tyke tolbert for a little while and i gave him a little trivia quiz because he's been coaching wide receivers in the nfl for 21 seasons this is season number 21 and, this, and dj moore was his fourth 200 yard receiver during his time in the league and i said can you name the other other three to tyke's credit he went three for three right away he said anquan bolden his first game in the league with the arizona cardinals in 2003 check ring it up 217 for anquan bolden uh Demarius Thomas with the Broncos, 2014. Uh, Tyke even remembered the total. He said he had a 77-yard reception called back due to penalty, and he would have had 303 if they let that play stand. He was right. He finished with 226. That's a pretty darn good number with a 77-yarder wiped away. And then Buffalo Bills, 2000, I believe it was six. Lee Evans. Remember Lee Evans? Oh, my gosh, former, yes. former Badger. Wisconsin, uh, yeah. 265-yard performance. So it was really cool uh, that a coach could, could trigger that memory really quickly and get all those correctly obviously dj moore's uh performance historic the other night and, and another one that that Tyke can put in his his uh his rolodex
5: last thing dan you're in the locker room all week obviously it's been a while since you've been in there after a win how would you describe the difference
0: yeah i like you hate to overstate relief but even today you know uh we patrick finley and i talked to cole comet for a little while um and and he kind of described that in in a roundabout way, and saying like when when you when you're hunting for that win and you can't get it, there is this little bit of doubt that creeps in where you start asking yourself like are 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 we as bad as we're playing? You know what I mean? And you can't definitively answer no, and it's bothersome and it's agitating. Well, that's gone now. The win is in their back pocket, and as we talked about at the outset, it was a win that came with with uh, impressive production. In all three phases. And so that's what you're looking for. And so I think there's just that sense now that there is something real here that obviously this team is not good enough, not talented enough, not deep enough to, you know, just get on a run doing things. Half-assed, But if you can focus, if you can take care of details, if you can execute, if you can seize opportunities when they're there for you, hopefully this thing can get turned around and we'll have a lot more than just one victory uh, to talk about. And we won't have to go another 300 plus days before we uh, before we experience this again.
5: Great stuff all week at Hallis Hall, on the radio, at ChicagoTribune.com, all the different platforms. We will be back talking about the Bears Victory as we predicted. All three of us <laughs> predicted a Bears victory, but either way, we'll be there Sunday night on this podcast at Take the North on your free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. And you can watch us on 670 Scores YouTube page. We'll react to the game on Sunday within hours of it finishing up so for adam Stadzinski and for dan weeder i'm david hoff thank you for listening to the take the north
0: podcast looking forward to the cairo on the hot seat post-game report great talk <laughs> see you out there
4: Hey, everybody, I'm Mark Shanowski, along with one of the
0: NBA's most popular analysts, Stacey King. We're inviting you to join us on the Gimme the Hot Sauce podcast.
5: So join us every week here in the Hot Sauce studios where we'll be talking about basketball, football, MMA, entertainment, and unique viewpoints from a group of sports experts having a few brews. That's right. Listen up on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast.